Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Sit down for a second if you'd like to. The story of Ruth, from which we are taking pieces of in this revival series. Ruth was not the kind of woman that would lay down and let life happen to her. She had been to hell and back a few times, but never do you hear a complaint. Even when those who should have trusted begin to falter, Ruth simply said, it's not going to end like this. She found a way in. She found a connection to uh, what would be a next of kin or kinsman redeemer and had access to her divine destiny, and did so at midnight. The Bible says that she came into Boaz in the midnight hour. Now, when you study the Word of God, any time that you see the word midnight, what you need to know is it's not really a reference to a point on a clock, but it really references in all of its purity a moment where divinity and humanity intersect. And the participant basically says, I've had enough of living how I'm living. I'm ready to move on into whatever is next. So midnight does not have to do with a point on the clock, but it has everything to do with let's move on into the next dimension. That's why when Paul and Silas prayed and sang to God in prison at the midnight hour, it was not at the stroke of a clock, but rather a determination of the Spirit that said, I'm not going to casually sit here and dissolve into my situation. I feel something right now trying to get loose in here, and I'm not here to preach. Matter of fact, I'm so far out of my comfort zone doing this. Oh, You may not believe this, But I am an introvert by nature. Right. Amazing how that happens. But it's something that happened in the recesses of my spirit. I've noticed something here in North America, especially over this last year or so. Local churches, families, would-be powerful men, women of God have become casual attendees on the religious front here in this increasingly casual environment. Casual about the things of God. Casual about worship. Services have in many places, but thank God not here over the last few nights. But services in many cases and places of late have degenerated to mere entertainment. And preaching has become like the reading of some kind of self help transcript or manuscript attendance is part-time interaction with God is passive and casual at best moral relativism has eroded the shores of what once was burning vibrant revival political correctness has eaten away at the people of God now afraid to offend people by what we say or what we do and have pressed us to blend into what has become the common social norm of the day. Meanwhile, we are a world that is more hungry and desperate for God than ever has been before. Meanwhile, 
There is a young generation burning inside, wanting to get a hold of something. And people who are hungry for divine intervention. Meanwhile, marriages are falling apart and communities are crumbling. People are being disconnected from one another, disconnected from God. Dismissive about what matters most eternally. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I find something here, and this may not be popular to many of us tonight, even though I'm a very likable individual. It may not be popular, but I'm telling you how to access the miraculous. How to press into your miracle in just moments from right now. The object and the idea of being desperate is key to success in the supernatural. I've had people ask all the time, why don't we see miracles in the U.S. like they see them in other parts of the world? Why don't we see things in our time like they saw it back in grandma's time? Why aren't powerful things happening right here and right now? And the answer is desperation. The answer is desperation. I'm not talking about hunger. I'm talking about absolute abandonment. Like a few moments from now when the Holy Ghost takes over and folks are rolling in the floor and don't care about what the hair looks like or what the clothes look like. or I would to God tonight there would be such a divine movement among us. It would profoundly shake us forever. I didn't come here to preach a meeting to you. I came here as a lightning rod for the throne room and say, God, whatever you have to do, let it begin with me right now. Oh, I wish I could get somebody to do what that honey just did. I wish I could get somebody desperate. I'm desperate. Passive generation. Turns out we don't like absolutes anymore. We're the anything goes generation. We'd rather permit foolishness and absolute stupidity than to stand up for what we know to be absolute biblical correctness and truth. Relativity and moral relativism in our time has soaked up the rights and wrongs. There's no sides, no absolutes, no heaven, no hell. Everything turned common core a few years ago. All things to all men. We've robbed people. Hell has robbed people of passion. Vibrant passion. Now listen, I'm not trying to be fanatical and tell you that we don't have church if we're not shouting. I'm not trying to press you and get a physical interaction out of you. What I am trying to do is awaken your slumbering soul. Because I'm telling you tonight, there's a gift of God. There's an anointing for you and your household. And you're living below your potential until tonight. And the Spirit of the Lord said, I've got some dry bones I want to talk to I've got some things I want to resurrect I've got some things I want to impart every miracle that has ever happened in biblical history was coupled with one common element desperation absolute abandonment to self will where God would break in and hell would come a running church at Laodicea seems to best represent the church in the age in which we live. 
back in the early days of the church, hell was on a rampage. And to work against the church, the powers of hell would break into cities, arrest preachers, kill their children in front of them, feed them to lions, tear the flesh off their bodies in opposition to what was going on because they were so fervent, so connected to God. Today, hell doesn't have to do much of anything at all. Just, just put a little something in front of us to distract our attention. You don't even have to feed us to lions anymore. We're absolutely swallowed up with what's going on. The scriptures are so plain. Uh, let me read the book of Revelation. God saying to the church at Laodicea, which seems so rightfully fitting to the generation in which we live. I know your works. I can see you're neither hot nor cold. You're riding the fence. Let me paraphrase it a little bit. I wish you were cold or hot. So then we would know what to do, but you're, work, you're lukewarm. And so you make me sick. So I say to you, come to me. Now you say of yourself, I don't need anything. I've got everything I need. I'm comfortable. But God said what you don't realize is you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're without covering. I say to you, buy gold refined with the fires so that you could be made rich and placed upon yourself a white garment to remove the shame of your absolute nakedness. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Be zealous and repent and come to the door. Make a move, honey. Stir yourself up. Now, in other generations and in other churches, he would persuade them and pursue them. But in this particular instant, the only thing he asks of the church is get up and do something. Get to the door. We are so close. So close. You can literally, if you just move your hand into the atmosphere, you can literally feel the tangibility, that's all right. Just speak in tongues as the Holy Ghost will let you for just a moment. And just talk to him. And lift your hands to him. I'm desperate. I, I must. I'm tired. I'm tired of just getting together and playing like everything's okay and having church service and calling it good enough. We, we toured the Bishop Center yesterday. What a wonderful thing God is doing here. But I promise you what we're doing ain't about a building. Let me tell you what, God's tired of us just getting together and having formalized church services. It looks good on paper, and it'll do all right, but I'm telling you, it's time for us to have a deep move of God that changes the way we think. 
It'll empty out the prayer closet. It'll empty out the counseling closets and fill up the prayer room. Are you hearing me? It'll start fixing things. If we would just get desperate for God, there's a lot of things that we'd be pushed off to the side. I, let me just tell you this right. I'm just going to go old school if I can for just a moment. But some of y'all been struggling with stuff, trying to medicate stuff, whining about stuff, causing trouble in the church over stuff that would move right out of the way if you just get up and square hell in the eye and say I'm tired of being casual about this I'm going to get myself a prayer life that's going to scare all hell I'm tired of sitting back not doing anything about it I'm going to tell you something carnal people are nervous right now and reason you're nervous because you used to play in games and you act long as the preacher's around and revival's happening. You act like you got everything together, but then go back to your regularly scheduled program. I'm telling you, as the Lord liveth, the Holy Ghost will not let you go back to your regularly scheduled program. He will not let us go back. I'm, I want to tell you tonight, I'm not preaching here. I want to prophesy in the atmosphere. This is going to become a house of the work of God. My house, my family, my, I wish I could get somebody just agrees with what God is doing right now and say, my house, my family is being revolutionized right now. Hear Jesus when he says things like, I must be about my father's business. I must do the work of him while it is day. I must go through Samaria. You, you want to you talk about a key phrase. When Jesus walked into town, everything that he did was precursored by a must, not I should, not I might, depending if they have air conditioning, not it depends if sister so-and-so there, because she offended me, but I must do it, and I don't care what they think. So go ahead, somebody just get after it. I must. My family needs a miracle. Come on. My nation needs changed. My life's a wreck. You think I'm worried about what you think about me? You think I'm worried about what time it is? I'll stay here till the midnight hour. I've got to touch him. Uh-huh. It's just, I, I open your mouth and just shout to God and just say, I want him. Neither cold nor hot. Honey, you better make your mind up. Neither cold nor hot. Brother, you better make your mind up. Make your calling and election sure. You're going to sit there and act like nothing's happening or you'll let your soul rise up and say, I'm done sitting on the sidelines. I'm ready to make history.
I'm desperate. Uh, over at least 20 times in, in the New Testament, you read about the adversary seeking, tempting, chasing, tormenting, accusing, pursuing, seeking after. He's constantly on the move. Now, if he's on the move, the Old Testament prophet said, hell makes itself bigger. Now, if hell is doing all that, I can't think of it in any plainer terms. What in the world? If hell is doing all that motion, for God's sake, what are you sitting there for? For God's sake, what are we doing? I'm desperate. And I will not be satisfied. God, I invite that you would put into my soul a deep burning hunger for the truth of your word. A love for humanity and fallen humanity. Put deep within the recesses of my heart a burning fire. Start it again, Lord, in my soul. You, you, you get something from God, and we hear this. It's church language. Oh, we're going to have a move of God. And that's cheap stuff. Because the same God we say we're going to move a God, he's omnipresent. Which means he's everywhere all the time, right? Let's, let's work it out together, children. He's all places, all times. So you can't really move all places and all times. So he's everywhere. So you're talking about having a move of God. It's impossible to have a move of God. But that's North American culture. He's going to come wait on me. And if God wants to talk to me, he's going to stir me and let me know. I love you. If God, oh, if he wants my attention, he'll get it. And he said, you know what? The kingdom of heaven is preached and every man presses into it whosoever will let him come drink of the waters of life hello let me tell you something if you get something from god tonight it's not because he accidentally bumped into you it's because you got up from your blessed assurance and said i ain't sitting here anymore whatever that preacher's talking about i want it whatever i'm feeling i want it i want to take it home with me i want to change my neighborhood i want to change my classroom i want it i'm going after it pastor i hope this is all right we're well into it now, so it's got to be, right? <laughs> Desperate. Pastor Norma Smith. She's from the Wildman Street Mission in Jamaica, man. And uh, Pastor Smith, she's nigh under like 80-something years old now. Just a real feeble frame. She went to retire. Now, she started churches everywhere she went. Her husband was a dentist. He attended the church. And, uh, but she, she told me, she said, as a girl at the Wildman Street Mission, something got a hold of me. That's how she says it. 
And, uh, oh, man, it was awesome. And she said, it seemed like a fire. And everywhere her husband was in the military, so they had to move to Germany. She said, we get to the city where we move. And I started teaching Bible studies and praying with people. And the next thing I have 15 and 20 and 60 and 100 people gathered. And it would start a church. And then they moved out to Texas. And, and the military moved to Texas. And the same thing. Everywhere they went, started a church. And I'm like, sis, how do you do this? She said, how do you not do this? And get, you talk about getting convicted, you get hanging around. So she invited me to come to Jamaica, man, a year and a half ago, two years ago. Came to Jamaica. She said, I want you. I said, I thought you retired. She said, I did for about three weeks. <laughs> she moved to this place. I'm talking about in the middle of the bush in Jamaica. She said, but there's a group of kids there and a couple of little old ladies. And she said, the Lord spoke to me about them. And he wants there to be a mission. He wants there to be a place. And she raised up this complex. I, I was just God. So in her 80s, she raises up this beautiful building in the middle of nowhere. And people are drawn into this thing. And I sat down with her one night and I said, tell me again how this works. And I'm looking for the theology and the interweavings of church growth patterns and plans. And she wrecked the whole thing. We sat down and she said, Brother David, I have such a hunger to see God work in my generation. And while she talked, I was convicted and convinced again. I'm desperate. And that's all that matters. I don't have to have it all together. It's a good thing because I rarely do. I don't have to have the right credentials or pedigree. And it's a good thing because many may not have such a thing. But if I am desperate and refuse to succumb to the pressures of this world and the casual world around me, I'm a candidate for the miraculous. Somebody, while I'm talking right now, you can feel God working miracles. You can feel him. One night, I had 15 minutes to preach in Pakistan. They marched us into a town square. There were 1,500, 90% of which were Muslim, packed into a town square in the middle of a state of emergency. And they say, you got 15 minutes to preach. We won't guarantee your safety after that. And they had snipers on the wall and all that other exciting stuff. So I preached for 13 minutes and left. But on my way out, and I just read the word of God and said, here's what God says. And, and while I'm trying to preach and put out this really great word, this girl stands up in the middle of the crowd and she starts screaming, causing ruckus. And I thought, she's a bomber, and now we're all dead. <laughs> screaming and flailing. In that culture, the women do not stand up and say anything. Flailing and carrying on. And then suddenly, four or five men jump around and hold her. And then suddenly there's 20 and 50. And the, one of the gentlemen with me said, we need to go. It looked like a riot was happening. We got back to the hotel later on and, and said, it wasn't a riot happening. But a little girl came from the village. She said, when the word of God went forth, 
something that had been tormenting her. She heard a voice say, daughter, I rescue you now. And she cried out and she was screaming, Jesus, if you're real, I need you right now. And he filled her with the Holy Ghost. And everybody that touched her to try to shut her up, God filled them with the Holy Ghost. 400 people in less than 20 minutes, God filled them with the Holy Ghost because one person said, I'm done with it. Y'all can have former religion if you want it. I am desperate for God. I must have him. I must touch him. I must know him. I feel like there's somebody like that in this house right now. Come on, take the next 45 seconds. Step out of your seat just a moment. I'm desperate. Don't stop. Don't stop. We're getting there. We're getting there. You take the beaten, broken, shipwrecked Paul, the apostle, nigh into his 80 years old, they say, by the time he came to close of his years, And hear that old soldier say, I fight the good fight of faith. See that old hobbling 80-some-year-old man saying, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but dung that I may win Christ and being found in him not having mine own righteousness. But he is. I'm desperate. Uh, One night, now I come from a jacked up family. And uh, 
One night, my older sister, her and her boyfriend at the time, invited me to come stay with them in this little place they were staying. And it was a something kind of a place. But I've been praying for them and asking for an opportunity. But they, by this time, I'd found Jesus. And they said, well, your brother's a little weird. He gets a little bit, and all he talks about is Jesus stuff. So we, And my sister said, well, you can come down, but I don't want you talking about all that stuff. Cool. No problem. I'll just come on through. And uh, we'll hang out. Well, it was late in the night. This little place that we're staying, uh, it, and it, I, I don't know if it was an apartment, little house, or whatever it was, but it was not a healthy place to stay. The walls might have been that thin, and you could smell everything that everybody had been cooking and smoking through the wall. And, uh, but they let me stay there that night. And I was good at the dinner I was good, and I didn't say anything except, you know, if you don't mind, I'll pray over my meal and whatever, and leave it to your own. Choke if you want to, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, but I got back to this little, whatever it was, crack house, and uh, I, I laid in the bed on the other side of that paper-thin wall, and the smells and I couldn't sleep. And I remember laying in that bed, first of all, a germaphobe, thinking about everything that could be possibly crawling around in there. But then, first of all, something just wouldn't let me sleep. And I laid my hand on the wall. And I said, God, if somehow on the other side of this wall, I've got foul got people who have heritage that somehow they got to make it. And so I prayed and I started praying and groaning and carrying on and acting a fool and, and prayed on the other side of that wall. And Mike was there on the other side of the wall and my sister was there. Mike got up the next morning and he, he said, Hey, can I talk to you about a dream I had last night? Sure, tell me about a dream you had. He said, I, I've never had anything like this in my life. It was kind of weird, but he said, I had a dream like the fires of hell were swallowing me up. And he, I didn't know where it was coming from. Where do you think that? He said, it really kind of scared me. It kind of awoken me and, and wondered if we could talk a little bit more about it. And I, I realized that, that God was, was getting through. And, and to shorten the story, but to let you know that I, I couldn't quit praying and I couldn't quit thinking. And it, suddenly it just escaped me. I don't care what they think about me. I'm already weird. We've already figured that out. So who cares about what they think about me? But there was a little baby there. And uh, I said, God, this family, somehow, if you'll spare them, you'll raise them up. To shorten the story, God did raise them up. And the little baby that was there is in this building tonight. They're a couple, have a beautiful family, are doing mission work and ministry work. Are you hearing me? They're in this building. 
And I'm telling you how it started. It wasn't me. It was a seed that said, I'm not giving up. I don't know who's here. I don't know what's connected to you. But don't you let your environment, don't you let your family, don't you let what it looks like shut you up. And listen, young brother, you may not be married yet, but before you're worried about impressing little sister so-and-so, let me just tell you, get desperate for God, and he'll fix it all right. Let me tell you, honey, you may not be married yet, but don't worry about God fixing you a nice gentleman to be calling on you but get desperate for God and say nothing else matters because if I can't get into a family where they're raising up worshipers and preachers and teachers and prayer warriors I don't want nothing to do with it I'm desperate I'm about done but I'm desperate I know what you're looking for. You're looking for a standard altar call. And that ain't going to happen tonight. Because if you're desperate, you'll make an altar call no matter where you are. And we're not going to be able to put you out. One night, Tom, because we're weird, I'm preaching in Texas and I said, I just feel like right now somebody ought to get out of their seat and do the craziest thing they'd ever thought about. And a guy hops out of his seat and rolls headlong around the whole sanctuary. Yeah. And I'm looking at him going, now that is weird because I wouldn't do that. <laughs> headlong around the whole thing. He, wrote, he gets back to his seat, stands up, straight his clothes and looks at me like, now what? And I, I just turned to the Lord and said, he, he just did what I would not do. And so whatever it was, but he was willing to do it. I started toward him and noticed tears streaming down his face. And I said, God, if for nothing else, the guy rolled across the building, would you help him? <laughs> I didn't get near to touch him when the power of God hit that man. And there he fell over in his seat, repented of his sins, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And then somebody came along and told me, that right there was the kingpin drug dealer in this whole region. That's the first time he's ever walked into this church building. And he told his girlfriend later, he said, I, some got old me and I didn't care what anybody thought. I'm just doing this thing. I would to God over the next 15 minutes in this house that Lord would get a hold of our spirit and this house would turn into a prayer meeting like the kind they used to have that would shut nightclubs down for months in a row. I would to God, Brother Sidemore, you remember when you're just a little guy, the Holy Ghost would move and they said that used to happen way back then. I'm telling you it's happening right now i'm telling you the reason your pastoral and ministry team have been fasting and praying is not because they're wanting god to do something they've heard god say i'm ready to do something now all we need is the desperate now all we need is the worshipers now all we need is the prayer warriors and someone to get up out of the seat and say i've had it it's starting for me my family right now i'm going after it i'm gonna get it i'm gonna press my way in I wonder who you are tonight. I wonder who you are tonight. Oh, 
Sister Reed, sometimes they forget we can be hurting and still desperate. Some got a hold of him. Oh, somebody. I'm desperate. I want this for my children. I want this for the person sitting next to me. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.